he has suckled that motorcycle since it was young. (laughs) Exactly the sound I made when he said that. Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Every week we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. Welcome to episode 55 the of Axe, Midsummer Maniacs. The Axemen Cometh. Season 10, episode 4. I'm yes. Sarah. And I'm Mark. In case you didn't know. Uh, just a little warning, if your kids uh, drink and party too much, they probably can't handle the podcast. Try to keep the generations separate, Mark. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, if your kids can watch the show, they can, of course, listen to the podcast. This is a pretty tame episode. Yeah, I think so. We got any news for the week before we get started? I uh, just wanted to shout out to a couple of new Twitter followers who are way smarter than us. <laughs> uh Simoi Achira. Wow, I probably butchered her name. Sorry. Uh, she is a parasitologist. And then another word, and I don't even know how to even pronounce that, but she went to Tufts in Iowa State. Wow. She's but big brain on her. If you're a parasitologist, you're a fancy scientist. Yes. Like that's a... Hardcore PhD, unlike my very fluffy one. Yes. She said, today's a good day. I discovered the podcast at Midsummer Maniacs on Spotify. I'm a huge fan of this murder mystery series. And she posted that and some comments. And then all of her scientific friends joined in. Welcome, scientists. Yes. You can still be maniacs, even though you're scientists. Thanks for the follows. It's always nice to be noticed. We've broken into super smart. Another little subculture scientists who like midsummer. Yes. Hey, (laughs) welcome. Uh, And right before we um, dive in, just a reminder that we're still taking ideas for T-shirt designs. So if there's anything midsummery that you'd love to have on a T-shirt, send it along. I've got lots of good ideas so far, but I would welcome more. And uh, sometime October, November, we'll start to share some potential designs and see what people like so that we can maybe have them out for the holiday. Maybe that's the plan. You can have a... Midsummer Maniac Stocking Stuffer. Wow. The Axeman Cometh, filmed uh, August and September of 2006, which is prime festival time. It's broadcast on the 2nd of February, 2007. 6.87 million views, directed by Rennie Rye, who's directed a bunch of episodes. And Michael Atkins wrote it. We're back in Badger's Drift. Yeah, but... We're at Twinwood Arena, which conveniently we've never heard about. We are indeed. Which I, I guess it's just kind of like an outdoor concert stage on the grounds of some big church. Yeah. But not the Badger's Drift Church. It's not the Badger's Drift Church. Because <laughs> if it is, that guy took over the parish and wow. <laughs> yeah, he really changed it up. Yeah. It, when we run into the clergyman at the festival, is he a priest? Maybe it's I a think, Catholic church in Badger's Drift. Maybe Might that's be. the difference. Yeah. That's it. They have a, also a giant cathedral with 
acres and acres of land, perhaps. All the rockers are heading to Badger's Drift. Yes. We have the rock and roll montage. Yes. They're bad drivers. They're drink drivers. They're litter bugs. They're rude. And they're on the way to Badger's Drift for the Midsummer Rocks Music Festival, Mm -hmm. which is August 18th, 19th, and 20th from 1 to 11 p.m. They cut it off right at 11 p.m. And we get to see Tom be so happy. Yeah. Because... He loves music and he loves blues and rock and roll and he just, he's like a little giddy boy in this episode. He is. Until, well, until that pub scene, which made me cringe, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Other people on the bill include Roger Chapman, which is a real rock and roller guy. Mm-hmm. The Shortlist, Dan Weil, The Copycats, and Hired Gun. Hired Gun is our band. Is our band. Our rockers. The Axeman. And it. It's made up of the Axeman, who is Jack McKinley. On guitar. Mimi Clifton, who is the singer. Mm-hmm. Gary Cooper, not that Gary Cooper. No. Playing bass. Yep. And... Nikki uh, Harding on drums. Nikki Harding on drums. Does Jeannie do anything in the band, or is she just his wife? Jeannie's just his wife. Okay. I did notice some fun things on those signs. In yep. addition to all those names, yep. there's when um, Joyce and Tom and Cully are all sitting on the bench eating their ice cream. There's a poster, a promotional poster, kind of behind them that announces that they will there will be two guest MCs. Oh, Ickle Snug and Max Thief. <laughs> and I needed to know who Ickle Snug and Max Thief were. And who are Turns they? out Max Thief is. Nobody important. Okay. I guess, anyway, who they're referring to is not a real person. There actually is a musician now named Max Thief, but he hadn't even probably graduated from middle school by the time this was filmed. Okay. Um, but Ickle Snug, I'm saying Ickle, I-C-L-E, <laughs> is, is not an MC as far as I can tell. Yes. But Ickle Snug does live in the UK. Okay. And is a prolific Amazon reviewer. Oh. <laughs> um, Ickle has been unhappy about the glittery ballet shoes that okay. he or she bought. The aquarium landscaping book that was the worst aquarium landscaping book he or she had ever seen. Okay. One this is hilarious. Stars. And I want you to continue. <laughs> but you're never going to be able to get me back on track when you say I'm off track again. <laughs> And a man cave rules sign that he or she thought was just subpar. <laughs> However, the face painting book yeah. that Ickle Snug bought on Amazon, five out of five stars, would have given it six. Wow. <laughs> so there is some positivity there. I can't criticize Ickle Snug very much for the diversity of his or her Amazon purchases, considering I got a box from Amazon the other day that had two boxes of cocoa wheats and some eye screws in it. <laughs> because that's what I needed to buy. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even going to mention these two since they're not real, real people. And then I saw those reviews and I'm like, wow, this is an interesting person who has glittery ballet shoes and aquarium <laughs> and does face painting. Okay. Okay. I'm eclectic. I understand. Uh, other acts at the, par- at the party include Gino Washington and the Ram Jam Band, Joe Simpson, Patrick Blues Burgess, Sly Ronnie, and many more. Under and, 13s are free. And a few of the people who are mentioned in the credits as roadies or um, 
stage technicians actually are roadies and stage technicians, which was smart of them to use actual people to do the actual work to set up the actual stage (laughs) and then give them credit for doing it. Though at least one roadie had to go, uh, guitar pedals don't work like that. (laughs) No. Well, and the one roadie who comes up to the mic, he could have said testing, testing, you know, no, he says, Keith, get out of that tree. Keith, get out of that tree. <laughs> That's not even a lazy fox jumps over the sleeping dog or whatever sentence. I don't know why he would say, Keith, get out of the tree. No. But from now on, anytime I have to test a mic, Keith, Keith get, get out, out of that, that tree. tree. <laughs> All of this takes place in the real world at 2 Church Street in Chesham. Ah. Which is where the Blues Haze Arts Center is. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And you read in the magazine that they tried to film this at an existing musical festival. Yes, at Reading. Couldn't, couldn't get that arranged. Which is a ginormous music festival. So they had to put on their own mini music festival, which I think is fun that oh, they I, got to do that. I think they had a great time. I think it's great. And then they can control everything. Right. And they don't have to do weird backstagey things. Like they can have Simon Assault Cully right out in the open. <laughs> We will get to Simon. We definitely need to talk about Simon. However. So also, I'd like to say, so Hired Gun is clearly with its, particularly with its reference to Ginger Foxton, who is the member that died. There's some clear cream references here. Well, and there's a lot of Eric Clapton references well, yeah, throughout so the whole episode. Right so, after yeah. that, they talk about Eric Clapton. and So this is the sort of white, boy blues 60s thing that happened in England. Late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. But I was just happy because James Cosmo is in this episode and I just love him. He plays the axe man. He is fantastic. He's one of my favorite actors. He's so good. (laughs) Did you know he lost his all of his front teeth when he was 12 and had to wear a denture from the age of 12? No. Like, and then gradually lost more and more of his teeth after that because once you lose such significant teeth, yeah, the, the rest of your teeth kind of give up. Well, you know why I know all about that. I know. <laughs> Not because of you, but because of your mom. Um, I, I don't want people to think you lost all your teeth and no. you're sitting here. <laughs> My mother lost her uh, front teeth in a tragic roller skating accident at 16. But he lost his at 12. And I am just... So impressed with somebody who would have something like that happen at such a young age and still say, I can be an actor. It's yeah. all right. But I did see a lot of stories where he, and he's very candid about his teeth, um, where he said that by the time he had a full set of dentures, his his acting career really had taken off. And he played all these big like battle scene roles, you know, where he's like, you know, the big guy. And uh, he was constantly afraid that his dentures would fall out while he was shouting, <laughs> because they didn't stay in very well. Nice. But now there's this YouTube video from 2011 of him getting dental implants. So now he's got a full set of implants instead oh, of dentures. Okay. And like you can follow along in his procedure while he gets his implants. That's he's, a little too much for but me. But he's such a good sport. Yes, he he's a good sport. He was on Celebrity Big Brother. Oh, that's cool. Can you imagine him on Celebrity Big Brother? Well, come over here. Yeah. <laughs> he's like... Big happy grandpa guy on Celebrity Big Brother. Him, him and uh, Brian Blessed need to do a buddy movie. Yeah. Where they travel around the United States. In a small car. Yeah. 
a little, like a smart car. Just the two of them poured into a smart car. Not a buddy okay. movie. Channel four. Here we go. We're yep. pitching this to you. Listen. Brian Blessed and uh, James, Cosmo. James Cosmo in a mini going across can, uh, the United States. I will pay money to see that show. I would pay money to see them drive across a parking lot together in a car. <laughs> just just the tilting of the car as they go. And get out. Like when they step out and the car lifts off the ground with them, you know, and then they have to like take it off of them and set it down. He's only 6'2", but he looks ginormous. He does. He does. Do you think, what do you think of the wig here? I think it's great. Yeah. It, 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 a couple of times I was like, that may be his real hair. But then I'm like, no, no, no. No, it's super well it's done. It's a super well done. Wig. Yeah. Compared to the butler's hairpiece, it's awesome. Wow. Yeah. We'll get there. All right. So we've got the band. We've got Gary Cooper, who is Lord of the Manor now, yeah. but is obviously a broken man suffering from anxiety and asthma and everything else, but trying to become something that he was not born to be. Yep. And surrounding himself with people he thinks will help him become somebody fancy. Because Gary did the right thing. He took the money they made in the 60s and 70s and invested it. Kind of he did the right thing. Yeah, sort of. I mean, we find out that he and Ginger agreed to put their earnings in a shared trust. And then he took it all. Because Ginger died. Yes. So he could. And... Yeah, did what he want. Gary is played by Phil Davis. Yes. Again, who is one of those character actors who doesn't get nearly as much credit as he should get. So Phil Davis was in not only Quadrophenia, he was also in The Wall. Like, Pink Floyd's The this Wall. Is two of the most important British rock and roll movies. Yeah, but he was great in Whitechapel. Yep. He's in the first episodes of Sherlock. Yes, and he's he is. Fantastic. He is so good in Sherlock. And he's one of only three actors who are in Midsummer and also in This Is Gincy. <laughs> wow. If you have not seen This Is Gincy, it is worth <laughs> trying to find. The Mystery Pond. Oh, they're all on YouTube. They're all on YouTube. Nightly Bye. I oh. love This Is Gincy. This Is Gincy. If you watch it and you don't love it, that's okay. It's an acquired taste. But if you do like it, you're really going to like it. It's a fever dream of British actors. <laughs> it's awesome, though. Everybody's in it. Yeah. Uh, including Phil Davis. So. Dave Tennant. Mm. Oh, yes. So he's the bass player. So let, let's just get it out of the way. Okay. You are a musician. Yes. And I know... Every time we see somebody on screen with a guitar in their hand, you're looking at their fingers to decide whether they're really playing or not. Okay. What What is your judgment we'll, here? We'll, we'll get this out of the way. Yep. There are three types of people who play musical instruments on shows. There are the people who have no idea what they're doing. They're just holding a guitar and putting their fingers on it. Yep. There are the people who have held a guitar or a piano or something like that before... Now, they're not maybe at the level of what's being played through the audio, but they've done it before. They know how the instrument works, and yes. maybe they can play scales or something. And then you have people who actually play the instrument. Yeah. 
right? So what do we have so, here? So an example of the last one is like Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future is actually playing most of the notes that you hear on oh, the soundtrack. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's not actually, let's not. He's not as good as they make him appear to be, but he definitely knows what he's doing. He definitely knows what he's doing. Okay. These two guys are clearly in the middle. They have held guitars before, as has Barnaby. They're comfortable holding guitars. And when you say these two guys, you're talking about Uh, Gary Cooper, who plays bass in the band, and Axeman, who plays guitar. Yep. And Tom Barnaby. And Tom Barnaby. They're all comfortable with the instrument, but none of them are playing. Okay. Do you think Nikki's playing drums? Uh, Nikki has no idea what the freak he's doing. <laughs> I can safely say Nikki has sat behind a set of drums. He can sit on a chair. Yep. But he's not a drummer. No. Okay. However, Mimi Clifton, played by Susie Quattro, is in fact a singer. Yes. We've we've come to a disagreement about this. Because I love Susie Quattro. Absolutely. I like you like her music, you like her as a person, what? Okay. So she is and will always be Leather Tuscadero to me. Okay. Which is a character on the seventies sitcom Happy Days, which was set in the fifties, mm-hmm. <laughs> where she plays a f- a really progressive character for the time. A leather clad woman biker who stands up to the sexism of the time. Isn't she just female Fonzie? Kind of female Fonzie. Okay. And certainly as a young boy perked my interest of, oh, that that's an interesting type of woman. Hey, lady in leather pants. Yes. <laughs> Premared me for the tsunami that was Joan Jett yeah. when she arrived, right? Like, And, and that's what Leather Tuscadero is. is mm-hmm. She's preparing you for Joan Jett. Joan okay. Jett is the, the natural progression of that, where Joan Jett is also like a really good songwriter and a really good guitar player. Yes. So... Uh, so it's nice to see her here. She hasn't aged the best, but none of us hey, have. But that's all right. But I don't hold that against her. I think her. she has fun eating up the scenery in this show. When she, when she opens up the door and pukes and looks at the family, because what? <laughs> I think it's hilarious. And she's American. Yes. Uh, Susie Quattro is American, but so is Mimi Clifton. Yeah, and she's lived in the UK for a long time. Right. She got really popular in the early 80s in the UK. And I I don't have any prior experience with Susie Quattro, so my evaluation is completely based on this character, and I don't like this character. So, You don't like the person she is, or you don't like how this character is realized? Both. Okay, because I don't think you're supposed to like this character. No. No. I mean, she's rude. She's an alcoholic. She endangers other people. She's mean. She contributed to the weirdness that is Willow's mother. Yes. We haven't even (laughs) talked about Willow, where if you're watching this episode for the first time, it's really easy until about halfway through the episode for you to go, oh, that's not the Axeman's girlfriend. That's his daughter. Oh, I I don't remember ever thinking that it wasn't his daughter because it's just the way he treats her. No, no. Until the like, it's easily halfway through the episode till you get confer- confirmation. Maybe, but I always assumed that she was his daughter. I never thought she was anything else. No. Oh, now thought. I did think that 
Gary Cooper's butler and his PA slash housekeeper were a couple. Yeah. yeah, Until you find out that they're uncle and niece. Not to spoil anything, but that's not how you lie on your uncle's bed. No, there's so much wrong with them. We'll get there too. Oh, there's so many characters in this episode. I don't know how they end up in the, at the end of this show without all the scenery being eaten. (laughs) Like everybody eats scenery in this show. One thing I don't understand about this band is why Nikki and Jeannie, the drummer and his wife are goth when nobody else is. Yeah, clearly they're like references to Susie, Susie Sue, and that sort of subculture. I I thought they they would be the ones to make a reference to more punky kind of stuff. They're both dressed straight out of Hot Topic in the Halloween yeah. store. Yep. They, they're they way over the yeah. top. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you even function dressed? Like, how do you clean the house while wearing fingerless lace gloves? I don't know. I don't understand that. But Some, Sometimes you just got to do it. But they're interesting. And, and so Simon Dixon is introduced to us. He will be Cully's future husband. So this is Roly-Poly Dixon's son. Yes, who had been their manager before, had been Hired Gun's manager, but he's died, and this is his son coming in to take his place as being the band's manager. And when he introduces himself to Cully, he calls himself himself Dickhead. Yeah. He's like, well, you know, the the joke is going to come about. It's almost like he expects her to go, oh, I guess you're just Dickhead. No. Why why would you assume that? (laughs) Dixon. What did you notice about that scene where Simon and Cully meet for the first time? I think they resisted playing music and having everybody else freeze except the two of them and putting the camera on a dolly that could just spin in a circle around the two of them while little, you know, cartoon hearts raised up above their heads. I could care less about the two of them. <laughs> oh, you mean Cully's friends? Cully's friends are fantastic. Cully has two friends. She has two friends. She has Hawaiian te- uh, Hawaiian punch teacher girl. Yes. And the other one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Hawaiian punch t-shirt girl only makes faces. Yes. They were totally like, we can't pay you. To be anything but an extra. Right. So there's no speaking role for you. Right. But we want you to act with your face. Yes. Particularly your mouth. Eyeliner is going to be really important too. Put on a lot of that. Yes. And when Simon says, I'm going to give you backstage passes, he means pass just for Kali. Yes. Because we never (laughs) see the other two again. Yeah. And Kali's backstage pass apparently doesn't just get you into the parties. It means you get to stand on the stage and then gradually become an employee. Yeah. Well, after the bonking on the boat. Because that's what Cully does. Is boat she bonking. becomes an employee. Yep. Yeah. And until this episode, rewatching this, I had never before thought about sex on a narrow boat. <laughs> I can't imagine it's secret. No. <laughs> I think people would know that's I, what's going on. I think. People would know. One of the downsides of a narrow boat. I always thought they were super cool. And then I thought about that and went, oh. Actually, it's my narrow boat. (laughs) Yeah. It's called Hired Gun. It was my dad's. So Willow is both Looney Tunes and not, depending on how she feels. Yes. 
that's what she is. And they're all going to Gary's house to stay. Yeah. Because Gary's the local boy. Right. And as they go to Gary's house, they pass the Harcourts. The Harcourts are the most midsummer thing that ever midsummered a midsummer. They are midsummer midsummer face. <laughs> Desmond Harcourt and Finola Harcourt used to be the landowners. They used to own the 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 big house where Gary now lives. And all I have written down for Desmond is super grump. Okay. Because that's what he is. That's his job. <laughs> so Desmond Harcourt is played by Rupert Van de Start. Yeah, who was also Selwyn Proctor in Market for Murder, where he was also super grump. He's the same play in everything. Yeah. He's he, in Game of Thrones. He's Guess what grump. he plays in Game yeah. of Thrones? Super, super grump. grump. He's really good at it. Yeah, he is. If you see any interviews with him, he is also the most jolly person you may ever meet. Of course he is. He which is. is why he can play the super grump and it doesn't ruin his day, you know? But... Did you notice that Fanola, which, wow, what a name to begin with, mm-hmm. Fand- uh, Harcourt, is played by Tilly Blackwood, who is also... Trixie Channing. Trixie Channing. Death in Disguise. Yep. So... Yeah, we've got... So, there are a lot of people in this episode that are who are in other Midsummers. They basically said, uh, we, have, we, we need a slut and a grump. Get those two, because... We know they're awesome, and they'll show up, and they'll do a great job. Yeah, yeah. And we, and maybe some Game of Thrones people. Well, we've already got one. Let's get another one. Bring James Cosmo in here. He's he's a big Game yep. of Thrones guy. Yeah. He was also in Train Spotters, Braveheart, Highlander. I mean, James Cosmo has been in everything. Yeah, James Cosmo is fantastic. So Gary lives with a butler, Hobson. And a PA housekeeper, Stanton. I'm just going to call them by their last names. Yeah. Serena. With their Romulan haircut. It's they're, they're just strange. And their relationship with him is really, really weird. Yes. They're both caretakers and overlords, it seems. And spies. Yes. Um, they're, they're very weird with each other and with him. And James Hobson seems to be like, Really open to Barnaby, like immediately tells Barnaby how he hates everything about his job. Yeah. Well, he has to baby, basically babysit a neurotic. What does he say? A spoiled adolescent or something like that? Yeah. The self-indulgent adolescent. Um, Hobson's played by David Horovich. Did you recognize him? Not off the top of my head. He is Inspector Slack in all of the Miss Marples that... Uh, star Joan Hickson. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's that's in right. like eight or ten of uh, however that's many right. there are. He's in almost all of them and basically plays the same character, but as a cop instead of as a butler. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good guy, I guess, but this, the, the whole music festival is just strange. If you pay any attention, not only is Keith in the tree, but there will be one minute's peace in the healing field. If you're interested yep. in a minute's peace, the healing field is the where you're going to find field. it. What? And okay, is there a band called One Minute's Peace? I totally or forgot. Is about it a this. moment of silence or what? I totally forgot about this. Okay, Axeman is the murderer. Yes. Okay. He's at the big house. Mm-hmm. Right. He's at Cooper's, and he thinks I'm going to kill all these people because okay. he's premeditated because of what they did to Willow and her mother. Right. 
Okay. Okay. Kill them. Kill them. Okay. First thing I need is a clown suit. Oh, Where we, does he get the clown suit? We need to talk about the clown suit. When do you want to talk about it now, or sure. when we get there? Sure. Because why? Why? Why does he have the clown suit? Well, he has the clown suit because if he went there, he would be recognized. No, that's not my question. Okay. Why in a universe where that is is good? Is there not a photo of him of James Cosmo? In that clown suit. It's very close to getting it, but you never get a full... When he's got the head off. Yeah. When he, we see, like, his shoulders underneath the stage, but I, almost as much as I want to see him and Brian Blessed in a smart car, I want to see the photo of him in that clown suit without the head on. So sometimes when I pick the pictures <laughs> for the episode cards that I make, so the the reminder card and then the cards that show up on YouTube and stuff like yeah. that. Sometimes I find pictures that are promo pictures for the episode yeah. that, that are things that show up in the magazine and things. Or production stills yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I try I try to find those because those are different looks. I looked yeah. for him in the clown suit. I tried to find him in the clown suit too. He would have been the biggest clown ever. <laughs> Where does he get the clown suit? I don't know, but it's fantastic. It's one of those with the big hula hoop in the waist of yeah. it, so he's ginormous. Like, Does he bring it with him? How does he fit it on his trike? There's just so many questions I with the clown know. suit. It's awesome, though, I can tell you that. Did Gary Cooper go, oh, yeah, I have a clown suit? Yeah, why do you need it? Oh, never mind. Never mind. Also... There are a lot of people backstage at any concert. Mm-hmm. And they would notice a clown. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought it would have been Especially more effective. Especially a clown carrying a, a drill. drill. <laughs> it would have been more effective to dress as a clown had there been other clowns around. Now, we do see that kind of across the way there's a fun fair set up too. Kind of. And maybe there's clowns over there. But a clown going under the stage... And all they needed to do was have him sneaking into a tent and taking a clown outfit off of a uh, a hook or a something. Hook or something. All they really needed to do was just have him put on a dark coat and a hat. Yeah. And nobody would have been able Tie to see his him. Hair back. Yeah, it would have been fine. Yeah. We also get to meet Tom's old boss. Yes. DCI Owen Jenkins. Jenkins. Owen Jenkins, who's always kind of grimace smiling. He's grumpy because this band ruined his career. Yes. Right? Because when his his name is Ginger Foxton, is that right? Yes. Because I always want to call him Foxy Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> when he died, people thought he went missing or whatever, and Jenkins was supposed to solve the case, and he could never solve the case. And so it kind of ruined his career because it was this high-profile thing. I have another case that Owen Jackson should have been solving. Owen Jenkins? Yes. What? He's at the Cedars. That's where uh, the music professor from Midsummer Rhapsody was. Yeah. Maybe he should have been involved in that case. Yeah. He's (laughs) like, where was he when Arthur Leggett got smacked in the head? I don't think he was there yet. Because Tom says, well, isn't it convenient you suddenly appearing at the same time as this music festival? That's not a coincidence. So is he the guy in the in the white van? Yeah. 
How do they let him out of the Cedars to drive around the white van? It's does not he, a prison. Does he park the white van at the Cedars? It's an assisted living place. Uh, I don't know what he does with the van. I don't know. Maybe the clown suit's in the back of the van. You think him and Axe Man are in on it together? Yeah. Because they both hate the band secretly? Yep. You should never meet your heroes. Okay. When Tom and Jones are in the pub and the oh. Axe Man and Nikki are there. Oh. I just want to give Tom a hug. It's rough. It is really rough. Because we know at this point that Axeman's kind of playing yeah. this role. Right. He he's, doesn't need to do this. He's not a drinker. No. He's completely sober. But I also do understand somebody who has been a celebrity for that long, you would kind of get irritated after a while of, I can't go anywhere without somebody wanting to talk to me. And maybe I just want to have a drink with my friend, right? Yeah. I understand that. But there are better ways of saying, I thank you. I'm so glad that you liked our music. We're just hanging out, if you don't mind. Really? And it is a, it's a primer of how not to talk to rock and roll people. Don't say you're in a band. Yeah. Tom is lame in this scene. Yeah, he is. He, he, he doesn't help. But I just feel so bad for him. It's, it is... It is difficult. And it, it's a thing. What I liked about it is we don't see Barnaby in that situation very often. No, where he's not the man in charge of, yeah. of, the, of the room. And then we show, like, we show Tom's character because he doesn't, he just brushes it off. He's like, you know. I don't think he completely brushes it off. I think it does bother him, but he knows that he needs to move on. Yeah. Like, oh, that's who he is. That's who he is. Okay. Have you've been to a ton more concerts than I am and you're much more into music than I am. Have you ever met a, a musician that you, that you liked a lot and they were a jerk? No, not, not somebody that I liked a lot. I've heard stories about people who I kind of tangentially like and stuff, but the sort of main people that I like the most have always been sweet, genuine, really nice people. Appreciative people. Yeah. I don't think what Axeman does here is rare, though. No, I don't think so either. I love And it, it depends on how you approach the person. Oh, yeah, of course. So. And, and where you approach them, right? Yeah. If you run into them in the bathroom, leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> There's no talking in the bathroom. I love that when they get to the festival, the Axeman gets out and goes... Ah, 30 years and they still haven't washed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you've been to a music festival. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I what do you think about Mimi's death? So she's up there, up there singing the dollhouse blues, which okay. make no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> okay. So let's, that scene starts off. There are two things that bother me right away. Phil Davis comes out with the bass, and he is holding a bass like a bass player holds a bass, mm -hmm. playing the note that is being played. But then there's a Phil, and he doesn't move his hands at all. You can't hold that against them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. It may have been added after, and yep. he didn't even know to hear it to move his hands. Okay. But but Gary Cooper, the bassist, is supposed to be singing the opening number. And at the very last minute, he says, no, 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 yeah. no, no, I can't do that. You'd never do that. Once you agree on a set list, you do it. 
Yeah, right? that's a very rare thing. And it goes to when I get to the end that maybe Axeman's as crazy as his wife because he's just like, oh, okay, whoever's singing, I'm going to kill. That's true. Well, she's on his list too. Yeah. But so, all right. I'll kill her instead. That'll yeah. work. Very quickly. Okay. A guitar pedal works this way. <laughs> I knew as soon as I realized that this was the episode that was coming next, that we were going to hear about how you can't electrify somebody with a wah-wah pedal that isn't even a wah-wah pedal. But do even. go on. Okay. Educate us. Quickly. <laughs> the natural state of a, of a guitar pedal is bypass. It passes current through it without any interruption or any ad- noise or anything. That's when it's off? That's when it's off. It's so that you don't create hum or buzz or anything like that. Right. They're, they're meant to be passive, right? Then you step on the pedal. Which, which closes the circuit which and turns it on. Some people... I understand that people who aren't used to guitarists or performing guitarists, I've shown this to lots of people. When I show them the pedals that I have, they're like, oh my gosh, so that's how it works, right? Most people don't know guitar players play a bunch of pedals in front of them. Yeah. Right? So it's common to have lots of pedals. Now, he probably would have more pedals. And I'm not going to go into the guitars and amps. Okay. Not going to go into that. But when he clicks on that pedal, all it does is activate the electronics inside the pedal, not send out a signal that electrocutes somebody. Like it, it, it would be impossible to wire it up like that without rewiring the whole pedal. Like it already has power going through it. And yeah. all he does by pushing the button is reroute that power into making a sound in the pedal. But it's already there. Yeah, it's already there. It's not like turning it on. Second of all, (laughs) going to be nice here. If you put enough juice through a pedal that it kills somebody, that pedal will melt. Yeah, I would think so. Like just holding that much in it. Finally, a Wawa pedal is normally a volume type pedal that has, it's like a pedal on a, like on a, a car. sewing machine or right. a car, right? It's it not ha- on and off. It's, it's like fast, slow, fast, slow, right. fast, slow. There are wah wah pedals. that are just on or off, but that's not one of them. The pedal casing, the housing that is shown is actually a, a pedal that does stuff that's like chorus and voicing. So it's not even a wah-wah pedal. It's not, doesn't look like any wah-wah pedal. Does a wah-wah pedal actually make the guitar go wah-wah-wah-wah? That's what it actually does. Oh, okay. That sort of 70s detective sound, that wah-wah. Yeah. That's a wah-wah pedal. So in reality, what he should have had is like um, like a power strip with an on-off button. Yes. And he flipped the switch to turn the power on to it. Which, which would have melted passed. that. Also, well, yeah, yeah, but it, but that would have actually started electricity passing through it into the mic stand. Having wired equipment incorrectly, <laughs> both microphones and guitars, uh, there's no way any sort of juice that could harm you in any way. Well, that's no fun, Mark. I'm sorry. So sorry. you're just gonna have to suspend sorry. disbelief long enough sorry. to believe. 
that Mimi got the crap fried out of her. Her brain turned into soup. soup. What does he say about her muscle contractions? Oh. Well, and her filter and carburetor are fried. <laughs> her liver and kidneys. George was like, last episode, I didn't get to say anything funny or clever. So now I'm going to make Mimi into a car. Titanic that. muscle contractions. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you get electrocuted. Yeah. Right? Everything tightens. If you find somebody who's been electrocuted and they're dead due to it, their fingers will be all gnarled up and yeah. tight and their arms and legs will be all tense and like pulled to them. It started in that scene, but it continues in the next scene. What is on Jones's t-shirt? I don't know. I could never <laughs> make it out. It's a weird piece of art. All I know is that Mimi has all these little colored extensions clipped into her hair. Yep. And every time I saw her before she fried, knowing that she was going to fry, I was just really hoping that maybe smoke would come out of her hair. If she got that much current passed through her, her hair would have gone on fire. Which would have been epic. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Tell me that would not have been epic. That would have been epic. She's like one, ah, ah, and then <laughs> head flame. Jeannie tells her to change into her new frock, which apparently is a shirt and pants. Yes. <laughs> I got lots of frocks then, don't I? Yep. I got lots of t-shirt and jeans. That's a frock. Though I am impressed with Tom's flashlight trick. He immediately thinks, I'm going to shine a flashlight through the hole. We can find it under the stage. I thought that was clever. It would have been more clever if he said, that's not how guitar pedals work. <laughs> but anyway. But you know what? Axeman was an electrician. He was. So maybe it's a modified pedal. It could, could in fact Maybe be, he did it in advance so that it, it would be super powered. Which again leads to the problem I have with accidents. And resistant to a lot of electricity. Yes. He knew he was going there. He knew he was going to see them. There's nothing to say he couldn't have taken the time to doctor up a pedal to fry somebody, whoever. After we leave a crime scene, let's take a walk down the towpath. Why not? And I'll show you my daddy's boat. What I want to know is who gives Willow a box knife? Why does she have a box knife? Of all the people who should not have a box knife, she should not have a box knife. Making her little straw dolls. Oh, she's just so wacky. And how does she wear white all the time and never, ever get dirty? Because she doesn't eat. She never gets dirty. Notice that she's like dancing in the grass and everything else, not a spot on her. Yeah. Meanwhile, we have this weird Harcourt family subplot. Yes. That is just creepy. So the idea is that they sold the house to Gary. Yes. And that they're going to get turfed out. And in, in, in exchange for a good price, they agreed that Finola would give him lessons on how to be fancy. Because Finola is a fancy lady. Yes. You assume it's her family home that they've sold. Yes. And that he would let them live in the cottage... For free. I, I love when he goes, you should let the gardeners do that. And she's like, we don't have gardeners anymore. He's like, oh, right. <laughs> she's got to string up her own hollyhocks. Yes. But she has known Gary since she was very young. Right. And has been, let's say, a fan. I don't think she is. I think she's a fan of the rumpy pumpy. And I she think she's really a fan care. of being lady of the manor and she'll do whatever she has to to be in that position. Yes. Including manipulating Literally. Gary. Yeah. 
so that she can get rid of Desmond, who is a super grump. Yeah. And and be with Gary and be back in her house. Yes, I agree. And coming on to Joan, uh, Tom. Yeah. And while Desmond is a super grump and kind of an asshole, I can kind of see why. Well, yeah. She's like, oh, just go ahead and say that I was bonking. It's okay if he's in the room while I tell you I was cheating on him. That's all right. (laughs) I'm going to go on Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) But I do like the scene where Axeman and Tom finally get to play. Tom is clearly very happy. Yep. So this is another case. And John Nettles does play guitar John at Nettles least a little plays bit. plays guitar. We've talked about it. That's why his fingernails look yep. a little bit long because it's helpful when you play. And they almost finger the notes that are being played here. Yeah. They're in the right area on the key. It makes up for the pub scene. Yes. Yeah. They have a nice little moment here. And then the hard, Hardings are the arguing goths in the garden. Yes. Like vampires on Chase Lounge. <laughs> Can you be outside this long? Do you guys trade silver chains? Because he was wearing that one yesterday, and now you're wearing it. That Hot Topic jacket sure is cool. (laughs) I'm a vampire drummer. I love they tease him that he's not Ringo. Yes. Well, and did you notice the other Beatles uh, reference? Oh, Mersey side covers. Yeah, Mersey side covers. Axeman says, what did you guys play? Yeah. And... No, we didn't play Merseyside covers. No, it's not how it works. So Cully uh, has met this guy the day before. And now she's sleeping with him. So, and that's his that's his alibi. It, I love his Jones's reaction. Oh, Ooh. great! I'm leaving the country. Yep. <laughs> and Tom takes Simon off to have a talk to him, and we don't get to hear it. We do not get to hear what Tom says to Simon. You know that's your future son-in-law, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just saying, we know, you don't know. Would you want to talk about Simon? Sure, let's talk about Simon. So what, do you, what are your first impressions of him? You know that we're going to see him in three more episodes, including the marriage to Cully. But this is our first introduction to him, so what do you think of Simon at first impression? Okay. A couple of things I like about Simon right away is he is, he actually does things. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Nico. Who's like, Nico was a dreamer. Yeah. He, he gets things done. He's a get things gung die. Mm -hmm. And I think that works well with Cully. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they have a good chemistry and they're sweet together. Yeah, I do too. I was a little put off when she meets him at the pub and sits down and they're immediately holding hands. Yeah. Like, didn't you guys just meet like yesterday? Yeah. And you already know enough about the possibilities between you that you would just sit down and hold hands. And he's honest with her about his frustrations right away. I like that. Yeah. And he, I like that. He said, I'm not going to take care of you guys. I have a date. Yeah. <laughs> like, is there anything about him you didn't like? Um, he kind of runs her over. How so? When he hits her at the, at the beginning. Oh, but that's an accident. Yeah. He backs up into her and steps uh, on her foot. He's okay. There was something weird about him. Like he's in the in the scene where they're rehearsing, and Gary gives the worst lyrics of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Axeman, you're right. You can kill him for those lyrics. Yeah, yeah. it's a bad song. <laughs> um, he kind of is bossy there, but 
But he has to be. Yeah. They're acting like little kids. Yep. You kind of have to be. I like that he sticks up for his dad. Yeah, he does. Just don't talk bad about my dad. Yep. Uh, the only thing I think maybe that I don't immediately like about him is that he he doesn't do anything to ingratiate himself with Tom when he realizes who Tom is. No, he doesn't. He doesn't like introduce himself and shake his hand. No. Or anything like that. But he also doesn't really get a chance to. No. He does need a shave. Okay. Which just makes you think about the weird Hobson shaving thing. Why you is she going to shave him with a straight uh, razor? You don't lie in your uncle's bed like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. And yeah. you don't give him a shave. Yeah. It's just weird. It's very weird. All right. So we like Simon. He's in Peaky Blinders. Did you know that? No. What part is he in Peaky Blinders? Sam Hazeldine is his name. Um, I think he's in one of the more recent seasons that maybe we haven't seen yet. Oh, okay. If you haven't watched Peaky Blinders, you should. It's excellent. Fanola says, how do you address, I have to teach Gary like things like how you address a duchess during sex. Yes. Do you know how you address a duchess? During sex? No, just in general. No, no. It's your royal highness. Oh. She's not a duchess. No, she's not. So why she thinks she can teach him that? I don't know. She's... But she says that Stanton is a jumped up slapper. Yes. <laughs> he jumped up slapper. And then Tom says about all these people pointing fingers at other people and blah, 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 blah. he says, this is just a big spaghetti junction. Well, before that, we have the explosion. The bike? Yes. That was impressive. The- I thought the car in the Chinese woods last episode was a good explosion. This is a good explosion. Okay. But all those people would be dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A they have shrapnel on their faces. Explodes. No doubt. 10 feet away from you, you have gas compartment in your face. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if it had just burst into flames, that'd be one thing, but it explodes, which I don't think would actually happen. No. But- but I James Cosmo gets really mad. Cosmo, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, he does. But he's faking it because yes. he's the one who did that to his own motorcycle. Yes, he is. So Spaghetti Junction. He has junk. suckled that motorcycle since it was young. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly the sound I made when he said that. So do you know what a Spaghetti Junction is? I always thought it was those sort of figure eight Spaghetti Junctions where there's all the roads all lead into one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. is. It's a very complicated intersection. Yeah. It originally was used as a term to refer to this place in the UK called the Worsley Braided Interchange. Oof. That still holds the Guinness record for the most side-by-side lanes. At one point, there are 17 Oh, I'll put a lanes. picture of that baby in the... Show notes. Oh, but it was then surpassed oh, okay. by another intersection that is now referred to as Spaghetti Junction, which is the Gravely Hill Interchange. Okay, I will put Gravely Hill in the It's in show. Birmingham. It has five levels of roadways, Oof. over two railway lines, three canals, and two rivers. Wow, that's a lot. It's a flaming mess. That's crazy. While I was learning about that... Mm-hmm. I learned about something amazing. Okay. okay. Now, this is a little side road. Okay. Sorry, pun not intended. But if you want to talk about crazy intersections in the UK. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a magic roundabout? 
So it's a real thing, by the way. Okay. Is the magic roundabout the one that has the roundabout in the center that goes the other way? Sort of. Okay. It's a mama roundabout. Yes. That has baby roundabouts. That has baby roundabouts at each incoming road. And the mama roundabout has two lanes, one going each direction. (laughs) So you can go around the middle counterclockwise and clockwise. So... The first time I it's went- like the road version of a giant dosi do. Yes, I watched footage of cars going around a magic roundabout, and I don't understand how <laughs> they got to where they are. It looks like everybody is around, about to crash into everybody else. Oh, and my favorite is they all signal, and mm-hmm. and like you're supposed to know how that works. Yeah, there's also magic gyratories. What the hell is a magic gyratory? (laughs) It's a a magic roundabout where the baby roundabouts are on little extensions of the roundabout. (laughs) Oh, what's funny is we have literally a roundabout within. Now, it's very, it's not a magic one. It's very simple. 200 yards from our house. And very small. Yeah, it's a very small roundabout. But I can only imagine that one of the, if there was a magic roundabout here, at oh, least once a day, somebody would just go, ah, f*** it, and just go right through it. <laughs> There's video of something like, like that. I don't know. I'm just going to put the pedal down and go and hope that I survive. <laughs> You'll have to beat me there. I'm the, sorry. The roundabout, uh, the roundabout near our house, I easily see somebody using it wrong at least once a week. Yeah, I can only imagine the, the first yeah. time you drove... In the UK, not only did you encounter a roundabout, but you had to drive on the opposite side of the road, oh, which, yeah. which really makes them confusing. Oh, it was a fun trip. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry for that side road, but I, once I found out about magic roundabouts, I just had to share it because <laughs> it was just fantastic. So Jenkins, you've mentioned he's at the Cedars, right? Yes. And he says he has this great line. He says, all I think about now are cricket and death. One prepares you for the other. Yes. That's not a very British thing to say, is it? No. No. When Finola comes and stays the night with Gary. Yes. This is the same night that Nikki is killed. Yes. While they're lying in bed, after she has told him he's a good boy and he did a good job at the sex. Yes. She insinuates that she would like to be lady of the manor. Yep. And then immediately Stanton comes to Hobson and says, now that bitch thinks she's going to marry him. Yeah. Which means she's been like listening. At the very least. Spying visually at the worst. Like watching on a monitor at the worst. Yeah. But she's definitely had her ear pressed to something and listening. Yeah. That's not a loud conversation they're having. Yeah. And she hears it. Yeah. And that is so creepy. What I don't understand is they don't hear the crane outside. Because <laughs> you think that's the only way Nikki's caddy ends up in the pool. Okay. So let's go through this night. <laughs> okay. Yes. The death of Nikki night. Okay. Nikki and Axman are at the bar. Mm-hmm. Axman's not drinking. He's clearly throwing his booze away. I wish Simon had noticed that. Yeah. Because that would be a good clue that he could give to Tom. He actually wasn't drunk drunk at all. Yeah. Takes Nikki back. He brings up that 
Jeannie won't appreciate him coming in drunk, so he tucks him into the car. Tucks him into the car. Now, Nikki's the one who says, I'll just sleep in the caddy. Yeah. But if he hadn't, Axeman probably would have said, why don't you just sleep in the caddy? Yeah. Okay. The very next scene we see, Axeman is going upstairs, and he meets with Jeannie. And they go into his room together. And they go into his room together. And she's there later in the night when Willow comes in to sleep in the same bed with her dad. I don't even want to talk about that. So it's not as if Jeannie came in for a few minutes and then left. She's there for a while. And doesn't take off her gothy clothes. Mm -mm. Like, I don't want to prescribe how people do it, but usually you got to take some clothes off. Well, I don't think he actually wanted to have sex with her anyway. He just wanted an alibi. Okay. In the flashback at the end of the episode, it is implied that either two things happen. Either the Axeman has already killed Nikki. Mm Mm-hmm. Or he leaves the bed to go kill Nikki. Right. And I think if James Cosmo got out of your bed, you'd know. I would think so. So, Like, you might get flipped onto the floor like you'd been on a trampoline. (laughs) When somebody that big gets out of the bed. So now, you don't need an alibi if it's after the fact. Right. Okay. But here's the biggest problem. There is a road that runs along the side of the pool. Mm Mm-hmm. It runs parallel to the longest side of the pool. Yes. And the ends of the pool are rounded. Yes. And there are, there are hedges. Yes. At the, ed, at the ends of the what pool. What you're trying to say is that there's no clear way to directly straight line roll the caddy into the pool. N- no. That, like you'd have to push it in from the side. Unless the... Sideways. Yes. And he's not that big. Now, Cosmo... He's a big guy, but I don't think he can pick up a car. No, I don't think so either. (laughs) So then I'm thinking, well, how did they get that car in there in the first place? And then I'm going through the filming of this going, they put the car in the water with the crane and then they moved the crane, shot the scenes and then brought the crane back and took the car out of the water. They wouldn't even have to move the crane because the only time we actually see the car in it is from Jeannie's window looking down. The no, crane could be true. there next the to it and you wouldn't be. even know. Yeah. He also moves Nikki to the front seat. Yes. So it looks like he was driving. So we're supposed to believe that Nikki, super drunk, was able to thread that needle with that car and get it into the An pool. An impossible needle. Yeah. Not just tricky driving, impossible driving. Yes. Maybe he levitated it. He is kind of gothy. Maybe he's got powers. Well, Gary's a wee muppet. <laughs> <laughs> I love how muppet is thrown around in this episode. I love when Axeman goes, rug, fibers, duh. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. When he goes, rug, fibers, duh, I'm like, there's that damn pinball machine again. I know. You're such a junkie for pinball machines. And Jeannie, like, says no, and then is like, like, instantaneously. Yeah. Like, uh, uh. And the next day, suddenly, Cully has yet another job. She's gone from being an actor to a travel agent to an actor to a travel agent, and now she's a roadie. Yep. I mean, more power to Simon that he's got free employees now. That's pretty cool. I'm sure they're on a tight budget. You know, he gave her a T-shirt and a lanyard and now she works there. Yep. She's got a clipboard all of a sudden. She does. She's got she's taken down names. When Tom and Jones go to talk to Finola about being with Gary, not only does she insist that Desmond stays in the room while she says I was next door having sex with Gary last night. Yes. 
But she also does that weird, his father and my mother had an affair, so for all I know, he could be my brother. She's just gross. Why is she so gross? Why is that line even there? It doesn't need to be there, and it only makes you go, oh, it's gross. Why does she have to be so nasty? Uh, Again, I'm not against sex positive people, but she is using sex as a weapon. And not in a... I mean, I guess there's not a good way to do that. Not but, in a fun... But in a gross way. Yeah. Ugh. Then poor Jenkins confronts Hobson. He's like, ha ha, I know who you are. And again, I'm like, what is that pinball machine? <laughs> <laughs> I literally watched all the scenes with the pinball machine at least three times until I finally got to see what the pinball machine was. And what is it? It is the Silver Ball Mania, which was made in February 1980 by Bally. Are you happy? No, it's not a very good pinball machine. Well, it's not going to survive the Axeman playing it. No, definitely not. I thought he was going to pick it up and slam it down like the Hulk. I was like, Axeman want point. (laughs) One shot of the back class, please. When Jenkins rips off Hobson's wig, I I thought... He's going to have flaming ginger hair under there. No. And it's just brown. It's just brown. It's not. I mean, it would have been obnoxious if he had had like bozo orange hair. And we would have noticed it in the scene where his niece is about to shave him, which is weird. Yeah. Um, but he should have, right? I guess. He's Ginger's brother. He should have been Ginger. Should have. Tom has a phone in his car. Yeah. That's the first time we see a phone in a car. Okay. They've got cell phones and stuff, though. They do. Cops usually do have some kind of phone in their car, even back in the old days. No, no, but it's built into the car. Oh, yeah. Well, he's got an actual, like, display in the car. Not like Cully's ancient cell phone. You have received a text message. Would you like to see it? (laughs) Press this button six times. Subtitles are often entertaining. If you don't watch TV with subtitles on, you're missing so much. Yep. In the... The reenactment of that night of Nikki's death, when Willow comes to the Axeman's room and finds Jeannie in his bed. Okay, which is problematic. When she says, Daddy, can I climb in bed with you? Yes. The subtitles say Cully Barnaby in front of that line. Oh. So it's like Cully is saying, Daddy, can I get in bed with you? (laughs) Just when you thought it couldn't get more gross. Double gross! Thanks, subtitles, for that double gross. And then, so they, 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 they go to the home where Ingrid is, right? Yep. Ingrid, who's not just brain damaged, she's psychic. What, what is the implication here? That she knows that Gary Cooper's in trouble with these dead bodies. She can tell when something bad is happening. I Like, <gasps> there's a skinned animal somewhere. Hark, I must go to the window and look troubled. <sighs> Or is it whenever Willow is upset, she gets upset? Because Willow gets upset about the rabbit. But Willow doesn't know about the deer in the in the creek at the beginning. The pig in the creek? Yeah. No. That's a waste of a pig, too. My dad never took me fishing. <laughs> Ingrid. So we're supposed to believe that Ingrid is the way that she is because Gary dated her and dumped her and broke her heart, which made her try drugs, which Mimi and Nikki 
got her into progressively stronger drugs that did some kind of damage that didn't manifest itself until after she and the Axeman were together and had a baby. Yeah. But those same drugs also damaged Willow in utero. Yeah. The people who wrote, sorry, the men who wrote this episode don't really understand how pregnancy works. Well, you can't damage a baby by having stopped drugs already, right? Yeah. So that means that when she was with Axeman, she was still doing the drugs. Yes. And maybe he helped her get off of them, but not soon enough. Maybe. That she wasn't doing them while she was pregnant. The whole thing is weird. And it, the end motive is that Axeman's insane and ready to kill anybody. He's ready to kill those three. Yeah. And he doesn't care what order. No. But they need to pay for ruining the and, two most important people in his life. And he doesn't really like if he was in cahoots with Hobson and the the niece, I would get him going after Gary. But he doesn't actually go after Gary. So Hobson and the niece are the ones putting the, the dead animals around. Yes. Right. Because they want to freak him out. So the first thing that Axeman actually does is, is kill Mimi. wire up the mic, which should have killed Gary. Yeah but killed Mimi instead, who was also on his list. Yeah. So he would have just found another way. Yeah. But we never see any progress on that. He doesn't get a chance. Yeah. Every time Tom goes to see Ingrid, we see him getting on the interstate. Yeah. He takes the highway ramp. So we're supposed to believe... It's not really interstates. Right. He gets on the highway. Yes. So wherever Ingrid is, it's not local. Yeah. It's not too far away, but it's not local. Well, you know, 15 minutes. Let's pack a lunch. It must be far enough away that the Axeman can go see Ingrid, but not be in Midsummer. Yes. Right? Because he hasn't been back there. Yeah. But when Tom and Jones are hiding there at the end to confront him. Yes. And they arrest him. They put him in the car and leave Willow there. Yeah. Well, there are some problems with the ending with Willow. <laughs> they just drive off and leave her at the home. Yeah. Now, you have to respect X-Man for taking care of his daughter. He does look after he her. He does. And she's got challenges, and he takes care of her. He does. He shelters her from those challenges. Mm-hmm. But then just leaves her at the home with her mom, who's completely unresponsive. Let's hide behind these screens. <laughs> <laughs> There's the worst the absolute worst. These conveniently placed promotional screens. Yeah, like... If the Axeman had actually walked closer, he could have just looked over him and went, I see you. Exactly. <laughs> I found you. You're it now. <laughs> the hiding behind screens bothers me to no end. Oh, well. Are you ready for some horrible movies? Sure. I got two for you this week. Oh, oh, oh hold on. Okay. Let's, let's finish this off. Okay. Axeman does the best acting of the entire episode at the end. Oh my gosh, when he's crying, it breaks my heart. It's absolutely... I know he's a killer and everything, but James Cosmo can't cry. And he's like, come on, Barnaby, you know what this is like. Barnaby's like, no. No, I don't. I'm Batman. I'm not like that. It's justice. And then they leave Willow. I'm not going to be Penguin to your Batman. Shall we go? And that's it. The end. Willow's like, bye. I have a dolly, I guess. Okay, see ya. Bye. Okay, Bad movies. You ready? Yep. All right. The first one has James Cosmo in it. Okay. That's why we're talking about it. It's a 1972 movie. I'm liking this already. It's got a twist. Okay. okay. 
So the waters surrounding an island become contaminated by chemical dumping and people who eat fish caught in those waters become deformed and violent. Oh, I know this movie. But what it's really about is the fact that the people on this island are all deformed and ill. And when an environmentalist comes to find out what's going on, they think they're like that because of inbreeding. And so they try to hide it. But really, they're like that because of the chemicals in the water. What is this movie? You give up? Yep. Doomwatch. Doomwatch. Oh, I need to see this like today. Yeah, you need to see it. I need okay. to that's one for me. La la la. Is Brett Eklund in that movie? Because it sounds like... I don't think so. It's Wicker Man time frame. Mm, the other one's even better. Okay. 1971. Okay. And Philip Maddock is in it. He's the one who plays Jenkins in this episode of Midsummer. Okay. And I'm not even going to read the synopsis to you. What I'm going to do is read the movie poster. Okay. Okay. This film is filled with shock. Victim after victim dies horribly in throat-cutting orgy. After shock, unnatural laboratory experiments performed behind barred doors. After shock, once again, he will change sexes and kill, kill, kill. Warning, the sexual transformation of a man into a woman will actually take place before your eyes. Now, is Parents, be sure your children are sufficiently mature to witness the intimate details of this frank and revealing film. So, is this... The movie that we got mixed up before, where this is Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde, the British version, not the American version from the 80s. This is Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Sister Hyde, yes. I've seen this many, many times. Do you actually see, like, bits change into other bits? Uh, He's naked, and then he's got boobs. Because the only thing I could find was that they put him in front of what looks like a mirror, but yeah. it's actually not a mirror. Yeah. It's a hole in a wall uh, with a, an identical room on the other side, and there's a woman on the other side. I so, remember explaining this scene to a friend of mine. Yeah, except so. apparently they get out of the chairs at different paces, so it doesn't no, quite work. Doesn't but, quite work, but yeah. But I love that poster. That poster is awesome. Once again, he will change sexes and kill, kill, kill. I should, I should own that poster. <laughs> Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. I'll give you that one. Yep. I got one point. You got one point. Yep. All right. Best corpse. <laughs> nice corpse. Our choices for best corpse are Mimi, Nikki, and maybe Ginger. We do see him dead. Maybe. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. As discussed before the episode, and we should discuss it now. Okay. So I'm Hobson, who is Nick Ginger's brother. Mm-hmm. And he's driving erratically in the countryside. Yeah. And Ginger's uh, psychotic. He's going to go over the cliff. I jump out of the car at the last minute. Yes. So he was ready to kill me, too. Yes. Okay. So he. So Ginger dies goes down in and a dies. fiery crash. It doesn't burn, but yeah. Okay. Now I have no car. Right. You're Hobson, and now you're on foot, and you're hauling your dead brother around. And I have to get to a car and drive 100 miles away and bury him. Or carry him that How far. How does that Does happen? he say 100 miles, or he does he say 10 miles. miles? He says 100 miles. Yeah. So, ooh, I know. Maybe he wrapped him in trash bags and said that he was clothes and books. Maybe. <laughs> and got somebody else to <laughs> like move him. last episode. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then... After moving him a hundred miles, he digs a hole barely deep enough to cover his shoes. And they've never found his body since. Nope. Bum, bum, bum. The mystery of Ginger Foxton. 
Best corpse, Nikki. Why? Because really, it's the only one that we see for any length of time. I'm going to say Nikki because he doesn't fall out of the car. Yeah. Now, I did notice something about Mimi's. So they do a really interesting shot with Mimi. Mm -hmm. So they shoot from behind her head on the, she's on the slab. Yep. And they shoot from the floor up to Tom and. Standing over her head. Yeah. And George standing over her head. Her hair does not move. Why would it? If you were an actress and you moved even a centimeter, your hair would move. Now, if I was Susie Quattro and I knew they were filming that way, I would have been like making all kinds of faces at them. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's not her. I'm sure it's not. I don't even think it's. It's somebody wearing the wig, a thing wearing the wig. Uh, uh, it's a head wearing the wig. Well, her filter and carburetor over on the side table. Yes. <laughs> You really don't like the the woman car analogy. I understand why they opened the car doors to let the water drain out faster. I don't understand why they didn't take Nikki out of the car first because he could easily fall right out into the pool. Yeah. It's not like he has his seatbelt on. No, he does a good job there. That's why I picked Nikki. All right. After the credits. Simon has a girlfriend. On and off. Okay. Right. We see him. We don't see him. Yep. We refer to him. We don't refer to him. We'll see. Gary has a girlfriend. <laughs> you think Gary and, and Finola are going to stick together? I think Finola's on that like glue. Yeah. yeah. Well, somebody's going to have to take care of him because Hobson and, and Stanton are going to be gone. Yeah. He's not going to let them stick around. Willow and Jeannie are screwed. I think Willow's going to live where Ingrid lives now. I, that is the best she can hope for. Her clothes match. Yes. It's a white place and she wears white. Yes. Jeannie's broke. Her only way of making money was with that car and the yep. car is gone and so is her husband. So yep. that's sad. Yeah. Jeannie is screwed. Yeah. Rupert is also kind of screwed because if Finola gets with Gary, they're certainly not going to let him stay in the cottage. <laughs> no, no. Desmond, sorry. He needs to be looking for a place in the city. Uh, Yeah. And a job. Yeah. Because doesn't she say he doesn't like to work or yeah, something like he, that? He doesn't like to work. Uh, Ingrid stays in the home. James and Serena are a bit screwed. Do you think they go to jail? No. It, the most they can get is mischief. Yeah. And I don't think Gary's going to want to mess with that. I think now, he's just going to want him gone. I think James should write a book because I bet you that book would sell. Oh, yeah, definitely. So He's... Ginger's brother. Yeah. Yeah. And he is, he knows exactly where Ginger is. And you think, would he get in trouble for having buried him and hidden his death all that time? It would be way past the statute, statute of limitations. Since he didn't kill him. Yeah. And Jenkins just gets to go back to the Cedars and be sad yes. because he got it wrong. He was so sure that Hobson was Ginger. Yeah. And he, and he was wrong. wrong. That's, but he, but he also knows what happened now. Yeah, so. the mystery is solved. Yeah, and if he's a good person, he thinks I'm glad the person who solved it is somebody who I trained. Yeah, I did a good job. Tom's good. Yes, I've I done would agree. My work here is done. All right. Anything else? I don't think so. Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram. Email, all that good stuff. The Midsummer Murders subreddit. Uh, the Facebook, Facebook group. groups for Midsummer and Acorn. All Send that. us your t-shirt ideas. Yep. Uh, next episode is season 10, episode five, which is Death and Dust. Rug, fibers, duh. 
<laughs> Death and dust is with the Ramblers. Oh, try to maintain the gap between generations. That's all I can ask. And make sure you know the difference between your arse and your elbow. And their approximate location to each other. Yes. All right. Until next time. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. No, they mentioned us. Okay. So that's cool. (laughs) No, it got awkward and weird, and you're going to have to edit. Yeah, I'll have to edit that out.